The principal at a small middle school had a problem. The girls would go into the women's bathroom and they would apply lipstick. And then they would press their lips to the mirror. The result, lip prints. So before this became you know, a total disaster, really got out of hand, the principal invited all of these students to the women's bathroom to meet with her, the principal, as well as the school's custodian. And she said, now girls, I don't think you understand what it takes for Mr. Jones here to clean these mirrors every night. So I've asked him to show us what it takes. So the janitor takes a long-handled brush out of a box, and then he dips it into the nearest toilet, and he wipes it across the mirror. That was the last time any of those girls pressed their lips to the mirror. When was the last time you prayed? In today's Gospel lesson from Luke chapter 11, one of the disciples, in the tradition of rabbinic students, asked Jesus for instruction on prayer. And in response, Jesus teaches them the Lord's Prayer. How many of you learned the Lord's Prayer as a kid? Excellent. Jesus then also gives two shorter teachings on prayer. One of them involves this guy who goes to his friend's house at midnight and asks for some bread. He, bread. he knocks on the door. And he keeps persisting until his buddy hands over the bread. You and I should also persist in prayer. But then there's this other story or illustration that our Lord gives about prayer. He compares God to a good parent, saying, well, gee, if good parents know how to give good things to their kids, well, how much more will a God of love? So you and I should have an expectation that God desires the best for us. Now, true or false statement, you tell me whether it's true or whether it's false. Keeping in mind that God desires the best for us can be hellishly hard when your life is off the mountain and you're going through the dark valley. True, true, very difficult, very hard. But nonetheless, fair points, fair points that Jesus is making here. In fact, points that you and I should really, in fact, practice when we're going through the dark valley. Persistent prayer. And trust that God desires the best for us. Okay. We actually might be getting a little ahead of ourselves here. First things first, what is prayer? Take just a few seconds, talk with the people around you, talk about what prayer is. Just a few seconds, less than 10 seconds. Talk to somebody next to you. What is prayer? What's prayer? I hear lots of murmuring. What are things that people said? Prayer, talking to God. What else? Thanking, yes? Listening. Petition. 
Anything else? Listening, petition, talking to God. Those are all very good things. All good things to say. Some good initial thoughts about prayer. But now, let's do something revolutionary. Revolutionary. By looking at what the Book of Common Prayer says about prayer. Isn't that revolutionary? Turn to page 856 in your prayer book. Take your prayer book out, 856. This section in the back is called the Catechism. And anyone familiar with this section in the back? It contains several questions, 856, 856. It contains several questions and answers about cats. I mean, about Christianity. About Christianity. And you will see there right on 856, under prayer and worship, I will read the question aloud. You as the congregation will read the answer aloud. What is prayer? One more time. What is prayer? Now that's interesting, isn't it? Prayer is always a response. A response to God. Because God's presence is always there with you. It's always there. Whether you are looking for it, whether you want it, whether you don't believe in it, the presence is there. And so, you might think, when you pick up the telephone of prayer, you might think that you're dialing God up. No. God is already there on the line, waiting for you. Prayer is a response. And as much as that prayer should include words, beautifully written words, like we use in our liturgy when we pray together, or more conversational, simple words when you pray privately, prayer can also include no words. Turn to your neighbor and go, Silencio. No words, silently read on a page, no talking going on in your mind. Literally, no words. How many of you have ever tried to pray in that way? The great tradition of Christianity talks about silent prayer in a lot of different ways. It talks about the prayer of quiet, centering prayer, contemplative prayer, and more. Think of these silent ways of prayer as being like ancient red doors that lead into the nearer and deeper presence of God. These ancient red doorways, these silent ways of prayer, are really the doorways of the monks and the mystics. And for centuries, centuries, all kinds of people have sought out these silent ways of prayer, have sought out these red doors because they want to knock on them so they can enter into and experience the tangible, the tangible transforming presence of God. Have you? Little hints here. Most of us need help in finding these red doors. 
Most of us need someone to teach us how to pray in that kind of way. Thankfully, we're blessed that we have people right here at St. John's who can help you do that. And certainly people here in Dubuque. Now, Larry arrived at the baseball game late. Sits down in the bleachers, and his buddy's like, Man, sorry the first inning. Why are you late? He's like, well, Larry says, This morning I couldn't decide whether I wanted to go to church or go to the baseball game. So I decided I would toss a coin. And his friend says, well, you know, that couldn't take very long. And Larry said, I had to toss it 35 times. Sometimes it feels like I have to tell 35 jokes here just to get a laugh, but uh, we, we got somewhere there. Prayer can seem, underline the word seem, prayer can seem like a coin toss. And prayer evades easy explanation. There's a mysterious quality to how prayer works, which is both disappointing and alluring. You may have prayed for someone you love to be healed 35 times. And they weren't. Or at least not in the way you asked. Or you may have prayed for justice for 35 times. And it doesn't seem like anything has changed. There is this elusive, mysterious quality to prayer. So why pray? Well, there are actually lots of reasons, just lots of them. We'll just think about three of them. Pray, because often your prayers, while the effects may be unseen or unseen for a long time, the effects are still real. The Bishop of Iowa, Bishop Scarf, our bishop, in reflecting about the relationship between action and prayer, and his own ministry and that of others behind the Iron Curtain before the fall of the Berlin Wall, he reflects on that. And this is how his reflection goes. Quote, What was our part in the grand scheme of things? God only knows. Economics was the primary blunt instrument upon the wall. But millions of brave souls picked away at it over the decades. And even more prayers had weakened it. Like how a dripping stream of water forges valleys over time. Like how a dripping stream of water forges valleys over time. End of quote. That's a powerful image for prayer, isn't it? Prayer as a dripping stream of water that forges valleys over time. When you pray, you are adding your droplet to a spiritual river that can shape, that can forge the destiny of individuals, of countries, and of the world. But sometimes prayer doesn't act so much like a slow-moving spiritual river. Sometimes it acts rapidly, quickly, like a spiritual gust of wind. Experience where prayer was answered over a very long period of time. Raise your hand. Long time. 
How many of you ever had a parent answer quickly? Maybe even almost miraculously to anybody? Okay. Hands. In both cases, saw hands. So why pray? Well, all those hands you just saw would be one reason to pray. People's experience with prayer. But three reasons. Just three reasons. There's a ton of reasons, but three reasons. Number one, pray because while the effects of your prayer may not be seen right away, they are real. Two, pray because sometimes your prayer will be answered visibly, even rapidly. Three, most importantly, most importantly, pray because for the Christian, prayer is less a way of getting what you want and more a way of having a relationship with God. You catch that? Let me rewind that one. Most importantly, most importantly, pray, because for the Christian, prayer is less a way of getting what you want and more a way of having a relationship with God. Prayer is a way of loving God. Prayer is a way of knowing God. Prayer is a way of receiving guidance from God. And so that's why at St. John, prayer is the first mark of discipleship in our congregational rule. Pray daily. Have a little daily time of prayer. Maybe you do it in the morning, maybe you do it at night. It could start off with just one minute, two minutes. and grow from there, but it can start off in a very short period of time. And during that little daily time, you simply thank God for the joys in your life, and you ask God for the concerns, help with the concerns of your life. And then you pray throughout the day, your day as needed is prompted by the situation or by the Spirit. How many of you are trying to do that now? Okay, several hands. Try, try, good. So what is prayer? Prayer is responding to God by thought and by deeds, with or without words. So remember, any time that you pick up the phone of prayer, God is already there on the line, waiting for you. And remember, to respond to God throughout the rest of this Eucharist, and remember to respond to God throughout the rest of your week, by praying daily. Amen.